Death, destruction and redemption. Oh, welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where someone who has never read a Marvel comic book before in their life watches a Marvel movie or TV show and then quizzes someone who is a veritable Marvel expert, someone that was taught to read with Marvel comics. It's the yin and indeed the yang of the Marvel experience and the Marvel journey. Welcome to the episode on Thor Ragnarok. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Rob Holden. I'm a, a comedian, I'm a writer, and I'm also the Marvel expert half of the equation. And joining me on this podcast, as ever, is his. it's his journey through the Marvel Universe. It's Will Preston. I like to think that the real journey is the friends we make along the way. <laughs> how many How many friends have you made along the way so far? Uh, mate, mate, I think it's foul to count how many friends you have. Uh, so no, no but, on the, but through this podcast, how many friends have you made? I don't know. I don't know. All of our listeners. All of our listeners. Well, they're family. They're not friends. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, this is meaty and chunky today. We are stacked and packed with so much trivia, so many, so much history of Thor, of Asgard. It's, I mean, it is a big one. Um, <clears throat> we finally kind of, we've done a lot of TV shows recently. Um, yeah. It's kind of cool going back to the MCU, right? It is, it is. I, uh, the MCU is this, like, uh, it's like the main course, isn't it? Mm, every now yeah. and again, we sneak off with some chips, maybe a bit of cake. <clears throat> and then, every, and then oh! Wait, the- wait, wait. Cake isn't a main course? No. I'm talking oh. about sides and cake because it's like oh we're gonna do the tv shows now oh we're gonna do an old film that has nothing to do that isn't the mcu but still marvel and it's like those are the those are the little bits on the side those are those those are the the anti-main course if you will you remember the first time when you weren't like at home anymore and you realized that you could have whatever you wanted for dinner or tea it like, was you, there's no one in charge of your meals and you're just like oh i can have the thing i've always wanted it whenever pa- i want it was pandora's box mate no one wants to go down that path because then you go <laughs> you know what would be really good if i just had wine and donuts that would um, be a good evening meal friend of the show peter j he mm. uh once like like a giggling child told me how awesome it was because there's no one to stop you from just buying a birthday cake whenever you want. Do you remember that <laughs> and, episode uh, of Community? I shall have a birthday cake. The no, uh, Carpe no. DM as, as ever, as ever, Will. I'm afraid not, no. Um, coming up on this episode, we go behind the page on the history of Ragnarok. We go behind the scenes on the making of the movie. Plus a deep, deep dive into which gods will live, which gods will die. The history of Hela, Thor's sister, mm. a completely different comic book publisher. We go into the history of Valkyrie Surtur, Scourge the Executioner, and the final, final fate of Asgard. It's all here, still to come. Don't go anywhere. Stacked and packed on MVM. And we are getting towards the end of the year, the end of another season. We kind of have three seasons throughout the year. You guys don't know this, but we 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 have it on our little diaries. Seasons, mm. the seasons of MVM. We're getting towards the end. December is a uh, a big big one. We've got some great behind the. Uh, we, we we put out Marvel versus Marvel Revisited. Every time there's not a deep dive. Every week there's yeah. not a deep dive episode. Um, the next one is going to be behind the page on the Spider-Verse, which is a really awesome episode um, taken from our big Spider-Verse episode. And then later in the uh, in the month, 
We're going to go behind the page on the creation and the history of Doctor Strange. Um, that's one that uh, took an awful lot of research and digging into to get to the bottom of that. That's coming your way. End of the episode. We're going to reveal our next two deep dive episodes. So, including a special Christmas treat for you in the next show. Stay tuned for that. But really, Will. Really? It's probably time for us to unveil our big project for next year. Bum, bum, bum. It is time. That was an excellent sound effect. I'm glad we don't pay for any sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really glad we're cheap as well. <clears throat> our, we've got a big project for 2023, or 2023 if you're American. Um, like, we... When we started this podcast, do you remember that, Will? All there many years ago. When we started this podcast, all we needed, needed was a laugh. Years gone <clears throat> by, I say, we've kicked some ass. Again, folks, I've no idea what he's doing at any I'm, stage. I'm We're quoting just... Motley Crue. I'm quoting oh, okay. Motley Crue. Cool, Jeez. great. Don't react like that's a thing everybody knows intrinsically and can conjure. Well, I'm really <laughs> just glad... Just embrace that... the niche references. I'm glad the two people who listen to Motley Crue, who listen to this podcast as well at home, go, Ah, I recognise that bit from Kickstart My Heart. Yeah, it's a Carry great on. Venn diagram. You're appealing to a great demographic. Um, <laughs> we started this... Uh, on a whim, yep. with no audience whatsoever in the middle of a pandemic and a lockdown where we weren't allowed to leave the house. Mm. And, you know, we didn't have any idea what we were doing. No. no we, we, didn't we, have, didn't. we didn't have any production skills. Um, we didn't know how to put an episode together, how to make a podcast. And we rushed through phase one of the MCU. We were knocking out one a week. There were about an hour and a half. And we, I don't know about you, but I don't like those episodes personally, Will. They're a, they're, they're, they're a fun little thing, but, and I know that's how a lot of people started with us. Yeah, I am not happy with the first episode. <laughs> There's several of them. Like, we, yeah. there are none of the segments that we currently do now. Behind yeah. the scenes, behind the page, no proper deep dive. And quite frankly, those shows don't sound good at all. We no, didn't no, know, like we, uh, we just we had no equipment. We're just you know peddling around with it. So our big project for next year is called Phase One Remastered. We're going to revisit Phase One of the MCU, which we really did not give due time, attention, and care to because we didn't know we had an audience. We didn't have an audience. We were just mucking around to, to pass the time. So we're going to revisit those that that phase and give each of those movies the proper full MVM treatment as it is today. So from Iron Man through to Avengers, we're going to go behind the page on the comic book history. Mr. Hollywood here is going to go behind the scenes. Mr. (laughs) Hollywood! And and get all that Hollywood dirt for us. And and then we're going to give each movie a true MVM deep dive, bring you tons of history and trivia that you've never heard before. This is not going to be a repeat of what we put out two and a half years ago. Oh, God, no. This is going to be proper remastered, like... It's just going to be a packed, packed, packed episodes like we do now today. Um, it starts in January, January 2023, with Iron Man. 
and it will continue throughout the year. It's not going to be um, every episode. We're going to do one episode on, and then go look at something else. Then maybe a couple months later, we'll go back to the to the next one in the in the thing. So it's going to be throughout the year. I'm really excited for it. Will, how about you? I, I really am too because. What I love recently is how we look at the film in certain ways. We look at the production notes. We look at all that. But then we also look at what was happening at the time. We've had it throughout the time we've done this podcast. We've added so many little sections yeah. to, to the episodes that they're just this big intrinsic thing. But back then, we were, we were just going, we were at, we were, it was core MVM, as I like to call it. It's me asking you questions and you know. No, go, it's, it's not, though. There's not even that in the first really? the first. The first ones, there are no... We didn't come up with the idea of doing questions until later. So what it is, is you read through a very brief synopsis you found on the internet, and Mm. I keep interrupting you and going, let me just stop you there. Um, Let me now tell you everything about Pepper Potts. And then we do, (laughs) like, all of... And then we go back to it. It's really unfocused. It's just... And not the... We're we're not... We know we're not the most professional podcast-going gang, but... We we you know we've made great strides just the two of us. There's nobody else involved. Nope. Will produces every episode. We both you know do all the research and writing ourselves, and we we try to kind of make something that we think is better than those you know clickbait YouTube videos and stuff that are out mm-hmm. there and those those podcasts that just uh, kind of you know go through their reactions to a movie. But we don't <laughs> we haven't we haven't delivered any of the, the what we've got now is what we love. We're going to turn back the clock. We're going to revisit phase one, and we're going to knock it into shape. As we continue next year, we're still carrying on with all of our of our phase one. Um, sorry, of our phase whatever we're in, phase three, I guess. Um, progression. We've got that in the books. We're going to get to Infinity War as well next year. So it's going to be a big, massive year right here on MVM. Let's take a trip now into the mind of a muggle, someone who was not born and raised with Marvel Comics and so approaches them all, unlike me, with a fresh, blank and empty mind. (laughs) (laughs) Will? Um, (laughs) You're a good sport, aren't you, on this show? I I am a good sport, Rob, (laughs) but you make it sound like my brain is the abyss and we're going to stare at it for a while. It's not an abyss, because that sounds dark. I always imagine it as... You know the thing that Wilson Fisk stares at in Daredevil? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... That. It's not entirely blank. <laughs> it's a slightly muddy canvas. You're just, um, you're just staring at this very white canvas going, yeah. I think I get it. And I think that's what most people react to me like. <laughs> I think I get it. I'm not I sure. Think I think I get it. stare at it for a while. Bloody hell! How, how you really cut to the core of me, don't you? <laughs> but in in ways how, I never expected. How did you feel uh, in the year two thousand and seventeen? What? How did you feel about Thor? We 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 we've gone through Thor one and two on this journey. Yep. Um, and we've expressed that we weren't particularly excited, really, by the one. The first one was was okay. It was pretty good, and then the, the second one was pretty. We didn't. I mean, certainly on rewatch, we didn't enjoy it. How did you feel about Thor? As this project is coming about, I yeah, I've talked about that, what, what I thought about Thor two, and it did put me off going to see a Thor film uh, in the cinema. And I, mm. even though I was really in the mood for Marvel, uh, I skipped this one because of even wow. even though there was a clear uh, new change of direction with this film, I was pretty much on the side of eh, I'm not too big on Thor. 
I'll skip this. It, it, but it, but it feels weird on retrospect because by this point, Marvel has really got its act together in terms of consistency and doing really well. And uh, man, I regret not seeing it in cinema. But Dark World was just really bad, wasn't it? It did put me off. It did put yeah. me off another Thor film. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it is one of those. It is one of those ones where. You see how much a a, a a bad entry can knock a, a franchise. I mean, well, it didn't, though. I mean, I, I don't think it had much of a knock on it. Did the trailers uh, give you any sense that things would be different? Because the, tra- the trailers were more bombastic, weren't they? The trailers were more bombastic. And the trailer that uh, really lit me up, but not apparently not enough to go see it, um, was the one where Hulk turns up. And he's yeah, like, they give that away, don't they? They give that. I know it's a twist they give away, but it's like it's like seeing Spider Man in um, in Civil War. Yeah, and, and it's and the trailer, and you, and you go, "Oh my god, they're gonna have Spider Man in it!" Ah! And then it's like, okay, that that kind of works in that way. But I don't know. Does 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 Hulk appearing in the trailer like that work? Because it did for me. I think I I it made me I'd imagine so. I, I think. I mean, I, I I'm trying to cast my mind back. I think that, as well as the second instalment of this Thor series being pretty, pretty, really ropey, Thor the Thor films felt like they were separate. They weren't going to be doing much else with the mm. with the Marvel kind of universe and the Avengers and stuff. They felt like they're always going to be on these other worlds, these other realms, and you know. Whereas with Iron Man, there was other characters. There was at least War Machine. Um, there was some some of the tech coming involved. There was Agent Coulson. And um, I think with Cap and things as well, you had all these other characters come into it: Black Widow, Winter Soldier, Shield, Thor. It felt like, well, he's there, and yeah. then he's over there, and it felt he's doing his so stuff. I, so I think including Hulk in the trailer, aside from the fact it's a big marketable, you know, character that people want to see, perhaps gave this indication of, okay, it's going to be in another world, but there's all this stuff going to go on. It is going to be very much tied into the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, but interesting there that that really put you off going to see this. I I know. Uh, I kind of regret it. I remember at the time I was talking to another stand-up comedian who's really into uh, his comics. I don't think he does comedy anymore, but he was really passionately annoyed at the presentation of Thor Ragnarok from the trailers and from the posters. It's like, why have they got this 80s look to it? Why does why does oh they did be- that's right that's yeah. right as well they, they they really pushed that with the soundtrack and things didn't they they did I'll go more into the soundtrack later but uh, they, I think for the trailers they used a uh, song uh, by a band I nearly saw but I couldn't because of COVID called Magic Sword who was synthwave but I'm not entirely sure of that I got told that by some people like oh yes Matt you know that song from the Thor trailer Thor Ragnarok trailer yeah that's Magic Sword come see him with us Will <clears throat> yeah it's they really, really wanted that kind of feel to it. And a lot of that film does have that kind of almost cyberpunky, fun 80s trash, uh, futuristic look. But there's certainly a cyberpunk element to it. I don't think I get anything 80s about it, really. Um, I think more from, more, from the, uh, more from the posters and the trailer design. And, you sure, know, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. There's that, but then I don't think you get anything particularly aesthetically anyway. The soundtrack um, anyway, but we'll talk about <clears> that. It's time now, then, for Mr. Hollywood to... Uh... Mr. <laughs> Hollywood! I'm oh, dialing God. his pager. I'm going to get him to rake through the muck 
of uh, of, uh, of Los Angeles. Um, Will, what can you what can you do for us, um, and what can you find for us in uh, in Hollywood, California? What can you dig up? I, I I just imagine myself coming out in a sharp suit and just go, "What do you hear? What do you say?" <laughs> like Paulie Walnuts. <laughs> right. First off, let's go through. Let's go through the. Let's make sense of the dollars and cents. I think that's where we always begin. Now we have Thor. Thor won in two thousand and eleven. Budget. $150 million, box office $449.3 million. It feels a bit mad discussing MCU movies with a budget of one fifty, doesn't it? Like, it does, it does. I, I, I don't, we need to get used to the fact that they are all around that level, aren't they? Marvel doesn't, despite the fact they end up making some of the biggest, most profitable movies, the biggest you know, box office gains, they don't spend a huge amount of money. That's efficiency. That and a lot of CGI. Uh... <laughs> Thor The Dark World in 2013, budget 150 to 170 million, box office 644.8 million. So they stuck in a similar amount and got quite a lot more out. Well, well. a little bit more. And, and this is post-Avengers. We mm. saw what the Avengers did for something like... Um, the Captain America franchise and the Iron Man franchise. Iron Man it 3 really, in particular, yeah. It really supercharged them, didn't it? I, oh, absolutely. It looks like it didn't have that effect on Thor. It did No, no diminishing returns at all, though, but still. Not uh, diminishing returns, but I'm, I'm saying if we look at the others and see that the process of Avengers made the Iron Man movies massive and the Captain America movies pretty big, mm. um, it looks like it didn't have that same effect. It's, it's not in the 800 to 900 million range, is it? It's it's yeah. down there, um, you know, around 600. Yes, it, yeah, I get you. And then finally, Thor Ragnarok, 2017. Budget, $180 million. Box office, $854 million. That's, so they, uh, that's yeah. a big pickup. Yeah, that is incredibly big pickup, <clears throat> and not <clears throat> much more money spent. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder how much that has to do with the, as you said, the inclusion of Hulk, the the, mm. the different tone in the trailers and stuff. It um, might be because we never really get a Hulk film apart from the Incredible Hulk. No, we never no, get not, a series. We're not of allowed. Hulk we're not allowed. <clears throat> Weird, isn't it? And the the press tour. Well, is that whole deal to talk about? Isn't there with Universal? Ah, um, uh, yes. The press tour as well was interesting because um, the uh, the director uh, Taika Waititi he put himself on the press tour mm. um, and uh, and was kind of knocking around with Chris Hemsworth and making it all very goofy and silly and fun and I wonder if that also helps um, attract people to the movie. But what can mm. you tell us then? What do you know? Let's go. What do back. you say? Let's. What do you hear? What do you say? In January 2014, Marvel announced that Craig Carl and Christopher Yost would write the screenplay for a third film, with Feig again producing. Both writers have experience uh, with previous Marvel projects, such as Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, X-Men Evolution, and the previous Thor movies. So some ticks in their positive column, and some not so much. That We looked at the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and you were really impressed by it. Yes, it's fantastic. <clears throat> and um, X-Men yeah. Evolution is similarly really well regarded as well. But then it's the same people that wrote the <laughs> last two movies, which we didn't really enjoy. It's like, ah, are you sure? I mean, they have some good stuff, but you know, we want to get rid of Dark World. 
But the Dark World director Alan Taylor explained that he would not be returning, as the Marvel experience was particularly wrenching because I was sort of given absolute freedom while we were shooting, and then, in post-production, it turned into a different movie. So, that is something I hope never to repeat, and don't wish upon anyone else. I... I want to know how much of that changed. Did we discuss this in the Thor 2 episode? I don't think we had a huge amount of information at the time. No. Um, or, or it came up in our research um, about about that. And they're not gonna, he's not going to go into any more detail, is he, other than that? No, 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 no. <clears throat> I, I think what I, sometimes what happens... I mean, I, we, I, we know for a definite that Thor... The, the, sorry, the Marvel um, vehicle micromanages these movies mm. maybe this was the maybe they didn't to begin with maybe this was the, the the time you know you talk to you talk to like you hear from um favreau and those people about the first iron man movie and it's like they are writing the dialogue live before filming in the scene <laughs> the script was just like um a, a guide for them yeah um jeff bridges talks about it you it's know. like a very expensive episode of curb your enthusiasm <laughs> was, he, he said it was. He said it was like a, a a big budget student movie, and somewhere along the way, they they became a micromanage factory. Um, and maybe Dark World was on that on that bridge where Alan Taylor wasn't expecting that, and that's what it became in the end, and got upset about it. Who knows? Or maybe he saw a crap movie on the on when <laughs> I need to not be associated with that. Yeah. Either way, I get it. Having directed the first four movie, Sir Kenneth Branagh turned down the chance to return as this movie's director in order to work on Murder on the Orient Express instead. Did you see that film? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, so mm. Poirot is like a big... Me and my dad both adore watching old Poirot episodes with uh, Mr. Suchet. Um, oh, yes. I'm also a bit of a fan of the... Uh, of the Ustinov movies as well, mm. and my dad, um, my dad, who's like not, he's never been a reader his whole life. My dad had a rough time at school, never liked school, and never oh. really got into reading um, for pleasure. And then suddenly, after he retired or around that age, he just started reading books and loving it. And he yeah. was just, and it was really adorable because he was like, "Did you know?" It was almost like saying, "You can read a book, and it's like funny. There's a story." <laughs> I remember getting into reading at a later age and loving it. Yeah. And he, he he didn't know which direction to go in, and he picked up Agatha Christie novels, and he Good. loves all of them. He thinks they're brilliant. I've so only, I've only read Murder on the Orient Express, and it's fantastic. Th- that one especially because the mm. the twist ending is so so good it's a great twist. it's so good um and yeah so i i, I kind of like as a christmas because it came out around december time so i took my folks to the uh the electric in birmingham which is mm. the oldest working cinema in the country i've heard um, of that i've heard it's of gorgeous that art deco yeah. um building and they you know it's like it's it's only for adults as it were they don't kick kids out but the prices and all that discourage kids they don't have a lot of seats it's a very small place um and they have table service and they have cocktails and oh getting, that's getting, wonderful they have signature cocktails for a lot of their movies so there was like the poirot was a cocktail and all the other suspects <laughs> all the suspects had a different cocktail and i don't know how many i managed to get through but there was also champagne there's some champagne cocktails knocking around that night as well it was a lovely lovely affair i um, i I want more of that. I know we have a great system with with multiplexes. You know, it's an efficient thing. But the whole 
luxury cinema experience like mm. that. I need to find more. It's pricey. That. It ain't cheap. I um, know, but I don't go to the cinema that much, and I'd rather do that than just get a plate of nachos. If I'm spending that much money, I might as well. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was, and I, and I, I really enjoyed um, Branagh's Branagh's turn as as Poirot. It was a really good, really good thing. So yeah. And I, you know, it's not like the first movie was so dazzlingly amazing that I, I, I went, oh no, we need another one of Kenneth Branagh. Um, I have a feeling <clears throat> he never. Uh, sometimes when it says turned down the chance to return, that's kind of something in the original contract that they have to offer it to so and so. Yeah. Um. You know, if you if your your contract for the first movie says that you they offer all the sequels to you, but there's some sort of arrangement where that's never going to happen. That's fair. By October 2015, Taika Waititi had entered negotiations to direct Thor Ragnarok. Watiti created a sizzle reel for the tone and some joke stuff, using clips from other films, including Big Trouble in Little China. Despite being a discouraged practice within the company, Marvel considered Watiti's reel to be amazing, particularly its use of Led Zeppelin's immigrant song from the, for the score, which Fees felt defined what Taikai was going to do with this. Uh, we've we, we are very familiar, of course, at, especially at this point with uh, Taiko Watiti. His background, of course, lies more in comedy, and his previous work includes What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, he'd also directed four episodes of Flight of the Concords and directed an episode of The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian was out before this movie? I don't know. Okay, I don't Actually, think so. I'm, I'm going to say it's I not think, out before. I this think it's not. But. No, I think that's a bit of a mix-up of the timeline there. As is Jojo Rabbit. I think Jojo Rabbit I, came out after this as well. I know, but I thought I'd put it in there. I okay. like putting things in there. You know me. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. I mean, misleading people, more like misleading people is what I do. <laughs> no, I'm the facts man. I'm Mr. Hollywood. Uh, what we do in the shadows is a great film. Uh, uh, my wife Melina got me onto that uh, as her and her dad absolutely uh, adore that film and yeah I, I need to get around to watching the series as well I much prefer the series it really, it's really that good is it it's really really great yeah. is it because of the Matt Berry factor not necessarily it's just I, I, I think I generally on a, on a whole mm. I enjoy things that keep going yeah, no, I, I totally um, because because I, I saw one episode of the series, I enjoyed it, but I never got round to. There's so there's so many more levels of jokes and stuff within it. The energy yeah. vampire is really amazing, Colin, and it's just it's just really it's really yeah, and this this it's just really good. Yeah, great. I'll get on to that. In the same month, Mark Ruffalo was also finalizing a deal to reprise his role as Bruce Banner, Hulk from previous MCU films, which was short, which was confirmed shortly after. Hulk was last seen at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron traveling in a Quinjet, which was originally <laughs> planned to be showing flying near Saturn. Feige explained that this was changed to an Earth-based location to leave Hulk's fate ambiguous and dispel rumors that a film based on Planet Hulk was in development, since Marvel Studios had no plans to adapt the storyline at the time. Like, it's... Uh- it's just constant with fans. Yeah. They're going to do Planet Hulk. They're going to do Planet Hulk. You should do Planet Hulk. When are you going to do Planet Hulk? Um, and this, I really felt like this movie was shooting that and saying, we're never doing Planet Hulk. Real shame. Real shame they'd never do Planet Hulk. But Because we've looked at it in our Planet Hulk episode on the animated movie, which is quite a pretty faithful adaptation. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It is what it is. 
Waititi said that the film would reinvent the franchise, as a lot of what we're doing with the film, as he said, is in a way kind of dismantling and destroying the old idea and rebuilding it in a new way that's fresh. Everyone's got a slightly new take on their characters, so in that way, it feels like this is the first four. He added that he had seen the other films and respected them, but wanted to focus on making a standalone film because this could be the only time I do this. I just want to make it my version of a Marvel film in the best way possible. And I kind of got that with this. It did feel like, it didn't, although it didn't toss everything out the window, it did feel like oh, a, they took the character of Thor and threw it out the window, Will. That's what they did. They took <laughs> the entire personality of the character, put it through a shredder, and then did this version of the character. Yeah. And then said, but it's the same guy for some reason. In the same, everything, you know, the world's the same. But I, like, I like that. It's like having your cake and eating. We, we, we're reinventing, change the character out the window, but it's the same one. It's the I have same said... One. Time and again, this movie should have started with a Star Wars-style scrolling text that said, Minutes before this movie began, Thor was hit on the head, and now he's <laughs> acting all goofy. <laughs> and then the movie starts, and I'd be fine with that. Oh, no. He got a bonk on the head, and now he's all weird. And now he's all weird. Now he's the actor Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Because we figured out Chris Hemsworth isn't very good at acting <laughs> so it's been a square peg in a round hole for two movies plus an avengers film and it, it hasn't worked so we've decided to say to chris hemsworth just stop acting <laughs> and now we'll write dialogue for you to muck around with go yeah i get that i get that on comic but again book- again as i go to this i these are my criticisms of it but at the same time I didn't like the first two movies, so I'm not saying they should have carried on doing that. It didn't work. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. Recast the role? Maybe that. It's it's an odd position, isn't it? Because, yeah, the first two movies weren't amazing, and I like this film a lot, but you don't, and I can see why you don't like it. I totally get it. It's not that I don't. There's a lot of fun in this movie. Mm. I... I do feel on balance that the no one will come no one will ever be able to replicate what James Gunn was able to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Nope. They balance threat drama with comedy perfectly. Mm. Perfectly. Yeah. And this movie does not do that. No. It's it, it's it's overly camp and goofy to the point where it's the a, other bits, the other bits don't work. It's practically a cartoon in some ways. And then, the, and then we're trying to take Hela seriously. Yeah, I mean, when we get round to Thor: Love and Thunder, we'll talk about balancing. The balance is much better in that film. He balances it much better in that one. Okay, okay, we'll get round to that. Um, but anyway, on comic book inspiration for the film, Watiti said, "I didn't read, really read any Thor comics." Cool. Thanks, we Watiti. Thanks, buddy. Glad. As they say in the wire, man. Sometimes you need you need to have soft eyes. You need soft eyes. Like imagine Kenneth Branner adapting Murder on the Orient Express and going, "I never actually read the book. <laughs> I just didn't bother. I just couldn't be bothered. I looked yeah. at some pictures and I thought, what would be cool? And I did that. 
That, isn't that Zack Snyder's process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm convinced <laughs> Zack Snyder's never read a comic book in his life. It would make a he lot is, of sense. He has seen clipped images on Imga, and he's read the Wikipedia descriptions of some comics, and then he made <laughs> Watchmen. <laughs> I started reading a few, but I got too overwhelmed. We looked at Planet oh, Hulk. Oh, dear. You got overwhelmed by a comic book for children. Oh, dear, Watiti. Oh, no. Have a sit down. <laughs> Pour yourself a Barocca and try and get through it. <laughs> wow. We looked at Planet Hulk, and then the other one was God of Thunder. But we mostly took the visual stuff from the com- from comics, going through saying, that looks cool, that looks cool. Oh, God. I know. This, makes my, this genuinely makes my skin crawl. <laughs> I wasn't taking storylines or storyline characters because my strength is tone and character and dialogue. I also wanted... And your lead performer can't act. <laughs> so you couldn't take a character. You had to make the character Chris Hemsworth, the actor. <laughs> Carry on. I also wanted some ownership over the franchise in a way that I couldn't get on with... Uh, can get on the other Marvel franchises. Thor is the franchise that has the least amount of identity. Like it sort of doesn't know what it is yet. <laughs> like that is just like taking like earlier he said I've got the I've got most respect for the first two movies and then now he's like yeah but they didn't really do anything did they? Um, yeah, but it's like it's, he's not exactly wrong. <laughs> he's uh, he's not. No. So I came in <laughs> saying, well, it could be this. So I ignored the source material and even the first two films and tried to do my own thing. He definitely achieved that. Like, it's it's amazing when you think about it that mm. he's able to make something so... Like, we talk... There's an awful lot of talk about Marvel micromanagement. We get into mm. it. It feels like he was just able to do his own thing and put a massive stamp on it. It feels like he did what uh, Edgar Wright wanted to do with Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah, and wasn't and somehow wasn't able to. Mm. I think James Gunn definitely did that as well with with his movies. Well, the the, the, the thing with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is it is quite separate at the time. It's quite separate from everything, so yeah. he has that freedom in terms of larger narrative. On the tonal departure from the Dark World, he also added Marvel Studios wanted it to be a departure from what they had done before, and Chris Hemsworth had wanted to do something that felt less familiar. The secret weapon to all of this was letting Chris be more himself. Bloody, mm-hmm. like, obviously you could have read the notes before, but it does feel like you're somehow behind the scenes yourself and you know exactly what's going on. Like you've just some kind of psychic vision, you know it. No, it, it it's just immensely obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. What he's trying to do in those first movies didn't work, and they so they just go, I oh, don't bother acting then, mate. <laughs> just start improv and we'll, we shall have a bit of a fun, shall we? Yeah, I, was, I swear that's the same technique they used for the room. Um, the secret weapon to all of this was just letting Chris be more himself because he is very funny, and that was the part of Thor uh, was not exploited in the right ways. I know he wanted to do more in the other movies, but there are just so many characters, and the other ones like Iron Man uh, have already been established a bit stronger. I am always pleasantly surprised that they let me do these weird jokes. It's almost like all the elements individually are so ludicrous. The giant wolf and the zombie army and the fire demon. The idea of sticking all those things together in one film shouldn't work. But it does. Once again, it was like asking a bunch of six-year-olds what they wanted in a movie and then just being like, okay, greenlit. 
Amazing. Amazing, yeah. I, I get the ridiculousness of it, but I kind of like that aspect. Uh, Taika Waititi... It's a comic book! It's... <laughs> like, to walk away from any just going, you know what's quite ridiculous? A guy builds a suit of armour and flies around and it talks to him. Like, it's a bit weird, doesn't it? You think, like, yeah, of course it is. What are you talking about? These are science fiction and fantasy elements. They're meant to be ridiculous and over the top and to appeal to kids. Exactly. Taika Waititi claims 80% of the dialogue in Thor Ragnarok is improvised, saying, My style of working is I'll often be behind the camera, or right next to the camera, yelling words at people like, Say this! Say this! Say it this way! I'll straight up give Anthony Hopkins a line reading, I don't care. Cool. (laughs) If only you could see his face at home, people. If only you could see his face. Again! This is the best of the three they made so far. So I don't. I at the same time that I'm a, I'm, you know, kind of kind of not liking this. It, it produced something better. So well, I get you know. This reminds me because I always have this argument with people like going, "Oh, if if transform if, the, if Michael Bay's Transformers movies aren't good, how come they made loads of money?" And then a comedian mate of mine who now lives in Mexico called Tommy Etling is great at this. He he just says, yes, "Well, they make loads of money, mate. Clearly, they're good." And I went, "No, that's not good. They're successful. There's a difference." He goes, "No, good and success are the same thing. What you're talking about is a matter of taste. It's your personal taste." And I was like, "Damn, I have no comeback for that." No, that that's like saying. Um, that's like saying a 14-year-old's analysis and interpretation of Shakespeare holds the same weight as a scholar. <laughs> it's just not correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> Personal taste takes you so far. But okay. having context and understanding um, is is how we learn and know more about things. Um, yeah. But then that, again, it is an industry. So <clears throat> success, like success, equaling good uh, for me, only exists in like two places. The hip hop world is one hundred percent that you will never, ever, ever, ever find like a rap artist or a hip hop guy who goes who 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 argues against whoever sold the most albums. They all acknowledge they're the best. They're the best one. Mm. <laughs> it's like Eminem's the best one because he sold the most albums. And that's how it works. And professional wrestling. <laughs> like, there's a beauty to that. Whoever sold the most tickets is the best at this because that's how it works. It's a direct correlation. Our job is to get the audience to spend their money on tickets because we're we're really over and they love what we do. So it's just as simple as it's Hulk Hogan, the end, <laughs> because no one else sold anymore. Like, that's it. I get that because, like, with that kind of thing you don't get these niche subgroups that, you know... These you 100% do, yeah. 100% do. You'll 100%, there's loads of niche people out there that only go, only only Japanese wrestling from this era is the best, or only Canadian, uh, okay. or only Mexican, or only this underground stuff you've never heard of is good. But they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I there's empirical data to back it up. It's Hulk Hogan, God, the end. I love go his, home. I love he made Suburban pain. Commando. <laughs> and Mr. Nanny, he's the best. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious if you listen to the podcast by now, I love using empirical data in arguments, especially with this section of the show. Uh, Ragnarok is something Hemsworth had hoped for, looking to have a lighter tone in Ragnarok compared to the previous Thor films, especially the second one, similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. He said, 
I feel we had less of the sort of the naivety or fun or humour that the first Thor might have had. I wish we had more of that in the second movie. We've done Regal, we've done Shakespeare, and we've shown that. I think now it's time to go, okay, cool, let's try something different. Hemsworth continued that in order to prevent the character or film from becoming predictable, there was definitely a goal to do something unexpected i think we went i think we want to get back to a more sense of adventure and fun what's so funny young man you know what guys iron man's getting a bit predictable in this next movie it's just gonna be a goofy silly goose (laughs) (laughs) and the defense of that will be guys no one's expecting him to be a silly goose Hey, cool, we... go ahead and do it then. Here's 180 million. Just just imagining uh, Feig watching <laughs> everyone do the next Iron Man film and then it's really silly. And it's like, should we make this more serious and in line with the character? And he just he just smokes a cigarette. Too predictable. And goes, and he goes, no, that is just what they're expecting us to do <laughs> in that kind of film trope. <clears throat> so, by August 2016... Mark Mothersbaugh was hired, I hope I got that right, was hired to score the film with a synthesized feel influenced by the work of Jean-Michel Jarre. Watiti stated he would have asked the band Queen to work on the soundtrack for the film if their lead singer Freddie Mercury was still alive because the film is a cool, bold, colourful, cosmic adventure which would have not suited the feel of the band. Uh, which would have, which was, I'm assuming... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so they've got uh, they've got quite a good soundtrack here. I felt, of course, Michael Mothers Bell from the uh, band Devo. You might might have heard them. Do you remember? No. Them? Okay, some people might. There's if you know if you've ever heard the song uh, Whip It, great little song, and it it works. It works. He's also uh, done quite a few other <laughs> uh, film soundtracks as well. Uh, also, I felt uh, a Flash Gordon aspect to this film, like a sort of vibe. Hundred percent. Yeah. Which is why I felt like they got. Um, they got. They wanted to have Queen involved. Because it's not that Queen, because they had someone replace. Um, I forget who they got. But someone replaced uh, Freddie as like the singer on tour. Oh, it's Adam, the lead singer from another. Was band. It Adam Levine or something? Or no, that's no, 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 no. Something else. No, Adam Levine's that other guy. Jeez, no. Yeah. Um, anyway, one of the changes from the comic books uh, was Korg. Waititi based Korg's character on Polynesian bouncers saying, we wanted to change the idea of what a hulking guy made of rocks could be. He's huge and heavy, but with a light soul, and he's funny and friendly. Weird, isn't it, when we went back to watch Planet Hulk, and Korg is quite serious, and then you have, like, Korg in this film is just... A silly goose. He's a silly goose. (laughs) Another silly goose. Is there a straight man anywhere in... It's hell as the straight man, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, no, everyone else like the way the way you build comedies in general is the two kind of comedies, right? Hmm. There's the 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 silly goose in a straight world, hmm. or there's the straight man in a world of silly gooses, <laughs> right? <laughs> Those are the only two comedies essentially. Yeah. So you, you yeah. you've got the the put upon person who's surrounded by lunatics and silliness and just wants to try and get the job done, or You've got Mr. Bean. You know, you've got a very silly goose bouncing off all these straight people. Um, and this feels like it's the silly goose universe. What would you call the Simpsons then? Um, Simpsons is mo- is 95% silly gooses. I've never well, thought I'd ever say that sentence. 
Yeah, but you've got um, you've got Marge and Lisa, haven't you? They Who have their the, moments, I guess. You know, too. and like Smithers kind of plays straight man to Burns, really. Like, <laughs> so there's always sort of a. I, had sorry. to get had to get that one in. Sorry, I know, I know. You you, you knew the what phrasing you were saying there. Yeah. Anyway, last of all, uh, Taika Waititi cited the heroic team ups in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Forty Eight Hours, Withnal and I, Midnight Run, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Big Trouble in Little China as influences on the hero's dynamic in this movie. Let's take a little trip behind the page now um, and look at what Ragnarok is and means and its inspirations and how it affects the Marvel Universe. Um, And to do this, Will, we have to go into the real world and then immediately out of the real world. (laughs) Um, So in in Norse mythology, Ragnarok is this... um, It's kind of their... It's not it's not exactly accurate to say it's their revelations myth or their Armageddon myth, but nearly. Mm. Um it's a series of tumultuous events and disasters, um and, and a foretelling of the death of the gods. Yes. Its translation is the twilight of the gods. Mm. Um and it's attributed to like um verbal history, kind of like uh, folklore, um, spoken word tradition passed down throughout the generations. And there's evidence of that, and then it is it is um, becomes written up sometime around in in the 13th century. Um, the first time on the in in re- in records that we have, the first time it appears in a written form, is in a collection of old Norse anonymous narrative poems. You know the epic poems like Gilgamesh and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Odysseus and things like that. Um, and and this. But this isn't one long story. It's a collection of epic poems mm. that are known as the Poetic Edda. Um, and it's probably written by a series of different people from a series of different stories over the whole of the 13th century. Um, and then it becomes translated and, and uh, not translated. It then gets taken from the poems and each poem kind of gets an expanded, remastered version um, in the, uh, the, na- the, the, the Edda narratives, I think it's called. Mm. In, the, in the poem, the original kind of poem, um, a female soothsayer, a seer, the Volva, tells mm. Odin about a prophecy of how his family will die and the world will end but be reborn anew. Mm. So the descriptions of the events involve the world tree Yggdrasil. And I'm going to butcher a lot of this, by the way, by the way guys, as we go along. Yggdrasil, the world tree, shudders and groans, causing earthquakes across Midgard, which is the world where we live. Um, the the Harim... Uh, a Jotun, a giant, a Hiram, comes from the east, his shield before him indicating war, and a legion of giants at his back, an army of giants. The Midgard serpent, who normally lies curled up in the middle of Midgard, mm-hmm. um, Jotunmunga, furiously writhes and wriggles, causing waves to crass. Um, the ship of the dead breaks free from its bows um, thanks to the waves made by the Midgard serpent and sets sail for the east towards Midgard and the fire fire giants or the fire demons that is open to interpretation Mm. of Muspelheim come forth and Surtur advances from the south with his giant sword brighter than the sun the gods then do battle with the invaders Baldar dies first. Odin 
is eaten, swallowed whole and alive while fighting the wolf Fenrith. Mm. Um, Odin's son Vyoar avenges his father by killing the, the wolf beast, um, ripping its jaws apart and stabbing it in the heart. The Midgard serpent then op- uh, does battle with Thor. Um, it's trying to swallow the world entirely. Um, and Thor, who is described in this poem as the protector of Earth, which is really interesting, Thor described as that, is the only god that gets this description in the ancient text, that a protector of Earth. Um, Thor uh, does battle with the Midgard serpent, and he does kill it, but he's been poisoned during the fight. Ooh. Once he defeats the Midgard serpent, he takes nine steps afterwards and then drops down dead. Um, uh, Serta survives all of this. People flee their homes on Midgard. The sun becomes black mm. and the earth sinks into the sea. The stars vanish from the sky. It like not just steam, but like everything becomes steam because the sun has sunk, <laughs> the earth has sunk. Flames touch the heavens. And the few surviving gods, oh, Serta reemerges and burns what's left. The few surviving gods return after the earth has sunk into the sea. The uh, you're going to ask how does the earth sink into the sea? No, no. Um... The thing is, my knowledge of Ragnarok comes from the video game Max Payne. Uh, and there's one thing. You mu- I'm not sure if you've left it out, if you're going to say it next. Would I be okay to... I've got no video game stuff in this, no. No. But no, I, I'm okay to guess what's next. Or you, okay. you might have missed. Sure. Does the moon get swallowed by the wolf? No. Oh. <clears throat> so the, the Earth then re-emerges from the sea... Mm-hmm. Or Midgard does. Yeah, don't think of the Earth as a sphere. Yeah, thinking um, about a disc, right? This is the back- land drops down. I don't even think they think of it as a disc. I was about to say, do the flat Earthers have a stranglehold on things back then? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so the 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 Earth, the land reemerges from the sea, and the few surviving remaining gods watch over the only two remaining mortals who restart the world as the world is born anew. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been adapted many years. There's a famous Germanic um, opera, The Ring, um, which uh, we won't... Wagner. Yeah, we won't give too much um, discussion to because Nazis, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anti-Semitic uh, uh, race confusion. We yeah. We don't need to deal with any of that. Um, but this story, um, which is, is found inscribed on tablets and walls and stones uh, across Europe um, you can find it in Sweden in England and on the Isle of Man these ancient ancient things that predate the 13th century poem oh, wow. um, have the same story because the, the verbal tradition, the story selling tradition has passed it down so often um, and this story serves as an inspiration for Jack Kirby and, and Stan Lee in the 1960s when they're creating Thor stories um at some stage the 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 book that thor is in journey into mystery like a lot of comics at the time Mm. is more about shorter stories so Mm. the 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 back section of the comic book is called tales of asgard in the front comic it's the main thor story which is 
Stanley's writing it, Jack Kirby's, you know, contributing and drawing it, and it's a lot of this Dr. Donald Blake, and when he, when he strikes his cane on the floor, he magically transforms into Thor, and it's kind of like a, a bit of a poor man Superman. Hmm. And in the back, Jack Kirby is given free reign to adapt old Norse myths into a comic, a short comic book story, and he literally just depicts the old sto- the old um, myths and tales and legends, and it's really awesome. And in fact, it becomes so popular that starts to be the idea of what they do in the rest of the Thor comic. Hmm. They start, they decide, and they realize that Thor's real key appeal is this mythology and this and this fantasy. So. As they're creating stories that are less about superheroes and more based in myth and fantasy, there is a 1966 story which features Odin recounting the prophecies of Vola and the coming Ragnarok. And he's describing it to Thor, Loki, and the Warriors Three. You'll notice Loki doesn't really appear in that um, prophecy whatsoever. The yeah. story of the Ragnarok that we talked about. Um, it's adapted slightly um, when, when Jack Kirby's doing this tale. And it becomes the Marvel version of this prophecy. It says that Loki will stage a revolt, a rebellion against Asgard, which will lead to a great war that destroys the entire kingdom. And in the end, the Midgard serpent will destroy and eat Asgard, leaving nothing but a ruined wasteland. Oof. Following which Surtur... The, they call him the fire god, but he's more of a fire giant or demon, rises from his realm, Musselfine, and sets fire to Asgard, burning it, burning whatever's left. And then things will restart, and Asgard will build itself back up again. Um, so that's that's the Marvel adaptation. But Kirby throws in something at the end. And this is really, intentionally or not, this is really influential. Mm. When the story is finished and it's Odin telling the story to all these people, yeah, he asks all gathered whether what they think about these visions that have they've been told about these prophecies. And Loki is defiant and speaks out, telling Odin that he doesn't believe the old woman's claims that they're just foolishness and that would never happen. But Odin believes every word and reiterates and tells Loki that he will be the cause of Ragnarok. Um. And that starts to influence the roles of Odin and Loki as we go on through the the years. The prophecy and the threat of Ragnarok become a constant presence in the Thor comics, mm. returning again and again and growing as comic books become more and more sophisticated over the years. A key part of that is Stanley not writing all the comics anymore. Yeah. To begin with, it's just like a singular vision, mm. um, almost. I mean, that's that's that, that's that's wrong. Jack Kirby is incredibly involved in the creative process, but it's it's more Stan pushing for what he pushes for. He's got more control. But then what takes over from Stanley is a series of other writers who read and enjoyed the earlier 1960s comics, and a lot of them much preferred Jack Kirby's work doing this myth and this legend uh, and this more supernatural fantasy stuff. Mm. And that's what tends to influence Thor going forward through the 70s and beyond. And so it eventually crystallizes in the Marvel Universe that Ragnarok is not the end. It's not the Armageddon end of days like we might have in in Judeo-Christian kind of stories. 
it is a cycle of life, death, destruction and rebirth that the Asgardians go through. That's hinted to, alluded to in the original myth, the original story or religion. The Marvel prophecy of Ragnarok in the Marvel Universe becomes this. There will first be a, a, a bitter and unrelenting winter known as Thimble Winter. It will mm. blanket Asgard um, and it will cause madness and fear and paranoia um, and everyone will panic about the oncoming Ragnarok, which is ironic because the only way they know about it is this very prophecy. Yeah. Um, infighting breaks out across the land. Friend murders friend. Brother murders brother. Loki will trick the blind god Hodar into killing Baldar the Brave. Um, Baldar doesn't turn up in any of these movies, and yet he's massively important in the comic books. He's like, he's like the aside from if you you know if you're talking about outside of Odin, Loki, and Thor, he's the very next. He's the very next Asgardian. I would I would I would mention if you mm. ask me to name one. Um, so Baldar dies thanks to Loki's trickery. Heimdall will sound his horn, which is apparently the official beginning of Ragnarok. Do 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 do. It's officially <laughs> Ragnarok, everybody. Um, <laughs> oh, and then man. an army of. Trolls and giants led by Loki will mm. charge across the Bifrost. This is the rebellion. This is the revolution that Loki is leading on their way to Asgard across the Rainbow Bridge. They destroy the Rainbow Bridge. Heimdall, sorry, destroys the, rain- mm. the, the, the Rainbow Bridge to try and stop the um, invasion. He is then killed by the invading horde. Um, Odin mounts a... a, a, a um, Brings his army together to to mount a counterattack. Asgard crumbles around them. Thor and Loki meet in combat for the very last time, um, fighting you know to the death, or so they believe. That's when the Midgard serpent rears its ugly head. Thor kills the Midgard serpent, but all of Asgard is torn asunder. It's in absolute ruins. Thor is poisoned and dies. Um, Surtur rises from Muspelheim, burns the rest of Asgard. There's a lot of similarities here, but a lot more yeah. lot more depth and shading. Um, and that's the end, then, of the Twilight of the Gods. But then, it's described as a cycle. They will rise again, Asgard will be reborn, and different aspects of the gods will emerge and go through their lives and live different lives, but it always ends in Ragnarok. And there's no escaping it. And this, as this comes close to happening time and time again to this Asgard that we deal with in the Marvel Universe, we see Odin become more and more obsessed with avoiding the end of Asgard, avoiding the death of his family and his own end. And he puts together a series of plots and schemes trying to escape the endless cycle of dying and being reborn at the mercy of beings known as those who sit above in shadow. The year is 2017 Ooh. when this movie comes out. And, uh, Will, it's time to do what we do now. We take a little look at the world around the movie's release um, to try and get some context. You know, it's especially important when we go back in time deeper into the past, but I think it's also important to look at what was going on 
as Thor Ragnarok reaches our screens, um, we have Prince Harry getting engaged to um, actress Meghan Markle from Suits, who I don't mind telling you, a bit of a powerful crush on that one. Mm. I watched Suits back in the day, and good lord, she is absolutely stunning. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, yeah, Prince Harry, bit of a. Bit of a Royster Doyster, any? I was literally about to use that same word, Royster Doyster. You know, I don't know why. Um, we yeah. also had the <laughs> the Pepsi Black Lives Matter activist uh, commercial, oh. where Kendall Jenner arrives on an unspecified protest, and this incredibly tone deaf advert has her like oh. end end racial tensions by handing a Pepsi to a to a cop. Um, that is, I remember this. I remember the uh, furore that came up over it. They only aired it at, like for a couple of days, and then as soon as the backlash was apparent, Pepsi swallowed millions of dollars by cancelling all their upcoming ad spots. And the the advert was never played uh, beyond that. It was it was a huge backlash. There must have been someone somewhere in marketing or somewhere in public relations who said. Do you think this is a bit weird? <laughs> it's mad. I, I've just been listening. There's a, a podcast series called uh, Business Wars, and I just uh, been listening to like this eight part series on the Coke versus Pepsi business battle, Ooh, um, and they covered this right at the end. Um, and it didn't affect Pepsi's business at all. No, I <laughs> um, can imagine. It didn't touch the sides. There was no yeah. real negative backlash whatsoever. I it mean, made them look there's a, a public silly. online Twitter one, but it didn't yeah. affect sales. Yeah. Um, 2017 is the, the year of Ed Sheeran um, mm. in the music world. He he dominated 2017. He had... 2017 four... was, in fact, the Ed Sheeran. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> he had uh, four singles from his album... And they were all like top top charting. Um, mm. They all finished inside the top ten of the year. So he had four of the of that top ten. Four were his singles, and he had a Christmas number one as well on the Billboard um, chart. So it was a massive massive year. And it was the album of the what? It's, it's all it's all math symbols with him, isn't it? It was an yeah. uh, divided. The album is. The, the sign for the word divided by anyway, Shape of You is the only Ed Sheeran song I've heard I haven't heard any other Ed Sheeran song and I don't you, know if it's for me you're fine don't worry about it okay I'm not missing out Sometimes, I don't want to sound like a boomer and go I haven't heard any of this because it's not music I grew up with sometimes I like to rewatch the end of Game of Thrones and imagine him oh. being burnt to death by the dragons <laughs> because <laughs> for some reason they put him in Game of Thrones I which saw means that he died see, yeah. in King's Landing yay um, oh. we had the uh, I think maybe the biggest TV show of 2017 was The Handmaid's Tale oh, um, yes. an incredible in, I mean depressing but an incredible um, TV show um, Hulu uh, Hulu original it's on Hulu I imagine it's a Hulu original um, a very 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 interesting powerful provocative and exciting kind of I guess science fiction or alternative future yeah I've really read the exciting. book I've read the book have you oh, read it it's a marvellous book yeah it's great really, but really it's great. hard going because it's really depressing and I haven't yeah brought myself to watch the tv show yet because i think this is going to be a lot to watch you know what i mean yeah they kind of they seem to like 
waver away from the book a little bit because they're trying to create entertainment in the future seasons and it's mm. a lot of running away and then coming back and running away and coming back but it's still uh, it's still really really good um we have an incredible year at the movies one of my not just one of my, one of my favorite films of all time um get out is released yes um and with a budget of 4.5 million it takes in over 255 million that's incredible brings home 98% on rotten tomatoes what a success one of the best cinema experiences i've ever had um an incredible movie yeah it um, really is we have um in the same year mm-hmm. the the justice league movie comes out <sighs> a budget of 300 million <laughs> takes home 657 so not far off this with a budget of 180 wow um, so sort of double the budget and then roughly the same at the box office and it also possesses a rotten tomato score of 39 percent what i don't Um, get is when they did the snyder cut it was just longer it wasn't actually that different it was just slightly less bad and then people go oh this is way better it's like really it's bad faith actors and people that have been kind of you know, taken in by propaganda and stuff. It's all it is, really. Oh, lost dear. lost souls. Um, Marvel yeah. movies the same year. Spider-Man mm. Homecoming, which we have um, talked about a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which, again, we tackled earlier this year. Um, and we, I think we both came to, like, we both enjoyed it a huge amount more the kind of the second time around, I think. Yes, we did. It's such Guardians a too. brilliant film. I was much less comparing it to the first one the second time around mm. and, and having a better time with it. Um, and, of course, Logan came out in 2017. Kind of a, a real, really big moment in Marvel. It's arguably the best X-Men film. You could... I, I would... I'd happily argue that. I think it's certainly the one that has the most care time and attention spent on it it's got a lot more of a vision about it yeah um it takes quite a ropey source material in my opinion and does something really good with it um yeah it's going to be really exciting when we get to cover logan i can't Um, wait for that i'm really looking forward to that one i'm i'm not going to reveal just yet when it's planned penciled in for (laughs) uh, but that was the year 2017 when thor ragnarok hit the screens My word, what a heaving sack I do see in your lap, Will. (laughs) Oh, boy. Phrasing. It must cause such uh, discomfort to have such a large sack. Um, It is, of course, the Marvel versus Marvel mailbag. Um, Stop giggling. Uh, You can always get in touch with us, Marvel versus Marvel at (coughs) gmail.com. You can tweet to us at Marvel versus on Twitter for now. Mm. Um so uh, who's been in touch and what have they had to say well we've got a fair few here we got one from king canuck first of his name first of his name who wrote lord of all maple and putin (laughs) emperor of putin ah yes we've got to put putin in as well because putin is amazing greetings robert and william he's going oh full names i'm in trouble (laughs) now come downstairs if that sounded weird to read good I would say that I pretty much enjoyed the first two Thor films. This was originally three more paragraphs, but to keep it shorter... (laughs) 
Wow, we're getting we're getting the. Uh, it feels like we almost a had bridged the Snyder, version. <laughs> we had the Snyder cut of posts almost. Uh, I feel the first film had a promising aesthetic and larger than life feel with the gods, but felt limited by the franchise being scared of weird concepts still. And that's an excellent point. I think that really is. I think that's a perfect summation of the first movie. And Dark World reduced a bad guy uh, that should have been all the charisma of David Bowie as a sorcerer king to Christopher Eccleston in a voice filter. Not to knock against Chris, you can barely tell it's him at all. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston was just the the absolute wrong choice for that role. We know what Christopher Eccleston does, and he doesn't do charismatic gnome king. (laughs) Like dark elf dude. I mean, the idea... Pitching that as David Bowie's Sorcerer King is exactly what it should have been like. That would have been so There's so, so many better. wonderful actors that could have really pulled that off. Yeah, it's a shame. With that in mind, I took to the new Funnier Thor pretty easily, I think. When we last saw him, he was going to travel the universe for Infinity Stones, and I just assumed that time with the Avengers plus time travelling the cosmos had allowed him to loosen up and embrace the weird more. No, he got bonked on the head and became a silly goose. He He became a big old silly goose. Breaking Mjolnir felt like a parallel to Tony blowing up all of his suits and Cap losing his shield, and it still comes to a similar conclusion of not needing a tool to be the hero. To me, it was a fine way to bring his power down for a little while. Having read Planet Hulk, uh, Planet and World War Hulk, I 100% understand any criticisms that involve how this movie presents those stories as they were. That being said, recent developments have have me thinking that they aren't done with those ideas yet. I enjoyed Gladiator Hulk quite a lot and wanted more. Some say the ending of this movie got a little bit overridden by the next two, but without going into broader spoilers, I think all of that informs an interesting journey about a true hero who may not want the throne others think they deserve. Hope all is well. P.S., I don't think you can actually say this at all without spoiling massively. But oh, thought, well, don't, be careful then. Ooh, no, I'm not going to. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to read your PS. I'm very. Sometimes sorry. read. Will doesn't proofread these letters. He just prints them and reads them. <laughs> I think that's the best way because I like reading things with fresh eyes. Next, we have a Daniel Carlson. Who wasn't so Thanks, King Cannot, for writing in. Sorry, we need to do that at the end of a letter. No, so it's okay. I mean, you know, it was long enough anyway. (laughs) Just just kidding. Daniel Carlson wasn't so keen on this film. I love Thor, and for me, it started with the JMS run, the the Simonson and Aaron. The first movie was great, and the second, also really good. These last two are not for me. What? 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 I, yeah, I, 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 I haven't met anyone who said the, the second no, one was really no good. one. It's like, I, have you ever met anyone that liked G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra? No. <laughs> I don't know anyone who watched G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, did you? Yeah, I saw it. Was it's it a G.I. Joe movie. I, I, I don't understand why they made... Actually, you know, I kind of do, but it's not the 80s anymore, is it? You can't really... They made Transformers, and it was a massive success. That's why they did it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, you got me there. These last two are not for me at all. I don't like the comedy at all, and I really don't think they are funny. To me, they have killed Thor as a serious hero, and now he is simply and only comic relief. Um, thanks for that, Daniel. I mm. saw an. I never saw that exp- that being expressed. 
mm. after Ragnarok came out. I've seen loads of it now after Love and Thunder. What like uh, loads of being, it? He's being... ser- not serious. He's killed yeah. him as a character. It's only comic relief. So that's interesting that we never mm. had it. We never had this backlash after Ragnarok. Yeah, I, I think it was because people, people love that movie. Yeah, people love that movie, but at the same time, it was, I think it was more of a case of, ah, oh, it's not dull like the second one. I think that yeah. would be the case. And maybe Fine. then we we had two, we had like serious Thor in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, well, and people we had, got that taste of it again. Well, we'll discuss Endgame because that was a different kind of Thor. Uh, one that it's I still quite... a serious Thor, though. It's serious character. He's I... not bonk on the head, silly goose. Okay, he ain't bonk on the head, silly goose. Oh, you know. Finally, Eric Cotton said, Evil Eric here. I remember walking out of the theatre thinking that it was fine, but there was 10% more humour than was needed. Kai Kai Watiti is an amazing humorist, but in this movie, he seemed to have a hard time letting the more dramatic elements breathe. After many rewatches, I feel it is an absolutely top-tier Marvel movie. Its most glaring weakness is its use of Hela. Had she been given a little more character development, she sh- she could have been great. Kate Blanchett does chew up the scene fantastically. It's unfortunate that all of her character motives are thrown to the side during a walk and talk with Scourge. The Thor-Loki relationship is so, well... So, I, I think... I, I, yeah, I agree, Eric. I, I think yeah. the real problem with with Hela in this movie is that she barely shares any screen time yep. with Thor and Loki. Yeah. She's, she is relegated to the other side of the universe to stand around on her own, gaze out of a window, and deliver exposition. Um, and it, it fails massively. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like that. Um, when we get on to Love and Thunder, I'll have similar thoughts. But anyway, the Thor-Loki relationship is well served. They really do seem to have an actual connection in this movie. The Hulk versus Thor fight is perfection. Valkyrie is a good reluctant hero. In fact, every character is well performed and serves their part of the story well, other than maybe the aforementioned Hela, who is still well performed this movie deserves to be ranked among the likes of the winter soldier infinity war homecoming etc thank you very much eric thank you what do you think in terms of ranking will in terms of i you know me i can't rank them but winter soldier is always up there should it be up there with those i think it should be on the tier below yeah it'd be i i, I can't even think of i mean it uh, wouldn't it wouldn't be near my top at all but it's it's i love it i think it's great but Winter Soldier, Infinity War, and Homecoming are a different, different breed for me. They're different uh, level, but I'd say tier below is absolutely fine. Of course, the best place for you guys to get in touch with us is over on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel, where we have loads of great interactions with all the uh, supporters that we have there. We put an awful lot into this podcast. We uh, we know we give you what you need. This isn't about us. This isn't about keeping us on the air. This is about you guys doing the right thing. When you take so much joy that we know you do from this podcast, when you love to hear behind the page, behind the scenes, when you love to know the context of the uh, movies coming out, the deep dives, everything that we do, you love all of this. It sustains you on your run, on your walk, on your commute, when you're doing up the attic, when you're in the gym. We know we get you through. 
But you're not doing the right thing right now. You need no. to give back. That's what communities are all about. It's what families are all about. And that's what we are here. We're a big, powerful community, the verse verse. Um, for the verse. Uh, what you need to be doing is dropping us uh, some of that cheddar cheddar bills. Um, me and Will, you know, you can give us, for the cost of a drink per month, you can buy your way into our hearts and affections and you can uh, cleanse your soul. Because listening to a podcast without contributing is essentially theft. <laughs> I mean, is that is that not right, Will? It's essentially theft. It's it, 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 it's nothing less, mate. Nothing less. It's right up there with steal. I mean, stealing thoughts from our minds and words from our mouths. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Loads of teas and loads of bonus content for you guys. Um, you can contribute for as little as three Brexit pounds a month. That's just buying us a drink, buying us a coffee. Um, and that would uh, put loads back into the podcast, help us pay costs, help us get through the long winter nights as we crank these out for you. That Jessica Jones episode. Oh, they lapped it up, Will. They oh, lapped that yes. Jessica Jones episode up. You want to put <laughs> back to the community, give back to the people here. And in exchange, you get an incredible amount of bonus content that we put out for you guys. Um, December is the month we drop Speedball on Obscure Marvel. <laughs> Obscure Marvel is a spin-off podcast that every single person on Patreon gets access to once a month. It's a mini-show where me and Will explore the most ridiculous characters in the Marvel Universe. How did you feel about Speedball, Will? Oh, I mean, it's it's the second part of the episode that really kicks into gear, but it's a it's a solid one all through. And it changes wait, gears, doesn't it? It does change gear, and I was surprised at the score I gave it. But <laughs> speedball, the bouncing boy. Um, this month we dropped our first like I don't know. I guess this is a sequel um, to uh, an earlier bonus episode that we did about the Guardians of the Galaxy. We built mm. up to a massive cliffhanger where everybody was dead, and then we let it breathe for a few months. We've come back with the second part, maybe the biggest Guardians of the Galaxy story ever, what was oh, intended yes. to be the last ever Guardians of the Galaxy story, our full-length bonus episode for our top-tier subscribers in the month of March, uh, December, month of March, in the month of December, the Thanos Imperative. It is a huge cosmic crossover event, so big that the Guardians of the Galaxy must team up on the same side with Thanos. Um, and uh, also characters like the Silver Surfer, Galactus, the Celestials are involved. Captain Marvel's... Uh, the history of Captain Marvel needs to be digged into. Quasar, Nova. It's a massive, massive event. Um, and it's all there on Patreon for you right now. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's the place where our bonus content lives. It's the place where we uh, we pay the sp- we get the most from our top tier subscribers. Got to pay homage now to the people that keep this show on the air. Peter J, Mikey W, Brandon Schmigielski, Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Basta Beer, Sue P, Sam, and Bindi. Those that really do the real right thing, right, Will? Yes. They're at the do the right thing tier. The world class wrecking crew. You look like you were going to say something about the top tier guys then. No, 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 no. I, I thought yes was good enough. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, those guys go above and beyond. They see what the top level of contributing gives, and they decide to give double that amount. You just cannot find a more supportive group of people. 
in exchange they get exclusive video content as well as everything else early access bonus episodes um obscure marvel full-length bonus episodes and then what did we decide to do this month will we decided to add a brand new podcast. Ah, uh, yes. So, sorry, so we do so much, and it's like, oh, yes, that thing as well, the extra one. For a while now, <clears throat> me and Will have been chatting about how we can give even more to the people that support us on Patreon. Um, and since me and Will are both comedians, we've landed on launching um, a new comedy podcast, not Marvel-related, really, although we might we might chat about Marvel sometimes. Um, a new way to give back to everyone without us putting in hours and hours and days of research and writing. A comedy podcast where me and Will um, spend some time, a few drinks, chat the breeze, like tell me it was one of the most fun times I've had putting that first episode together. It was it was it was a lot of fun. We, we, uh, we, had, a, we had a real it, there was there was almost bonding in it. It was great. It was really awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like I said, it's a comedy podcast like a lot of them that are out there. We've got a lot of contemporaries that do comedy podcasts. We've talked about doing it, but we decided we didn't want to share it with the rest of the world. We wanted it to only exist on Patreon for those people that subscribe, the VIEP tier, the ten pound tier and above. Um and we're gonna be dropping those each and every month. Um the first episode is me and Will discussing uh the most embarrassing stories from our lives as stand up comedians. <laughs> The worst times, some of the good times too, but mainly the worst times, the times we died, the weirdest gigs, the most terrible things that happened. Um, We went through all of that while sharing a drink, um, put that uh, podcast together that everyone's going to get on Patreon. Not everyone, sorry, but those at the VIEP tier and above. And of course, if you're part of the World Class Wrecking Crew, you get it as a video podcast as well, because that's where our exclusive video content lives. Um, So that's, I mean, that's where you go and that's what you do. You cleanse your soul, you do the right thing, you subscribe, you donate and pledge, and in exchange, we keep giving back. Um, If you're at that £10 tier and above, it means you're getting three bonus episodes a month, plus early access. Um, An incredible deal, and you cleanse your soul, you make sure you're putting that cheddar where it needs to go, which is into our coffers to keep the podcast on the air um and we thank those people that already support us very much helping us grow um and look if you're not in a financial position to do that there's still ways you can help this podcast leave a great review of us on on whatever platform you use to uh, to listen subscribe make sure you're getting new episodes make sure that you're leaving good reviews five star reviews hit that like button share our content like share Mm, us on twitter share Share us on facebook tell your friends that you know love marvel movies and stuff hey this these guys will give you tons of access to history and trivia of marvel that you might think is really cool that's a way that for zero cash dollars you can help this podcast grow and you can help us thrive that's what you should be doing on the other side of this break it is the patented marvel versus marvel deep deep dive into thor ragnarok (laughs) 